0: Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through Chinese TV shows. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen, here today to discuss episode 64 of Empresses in the Palace, Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan. Last week was an intense episode. The Empress and her faction believed that they could destroy Zhen Huan on the basis of adultery. All they needed to do was to present some convincing evidence that may or may not have been fabricated, linking Jin Huan to the doctor Wen Shichu. They nearly succeeded too, but Jin Huan's team was not going to go down without a fight. With some quick thinking from Jin Huan and Ye Yi, Jin Huan's team won a decisive victory. The despicable Qi Guiren has been banished to the Cold Palace and the empress has lost power in the imperial harem. Things seem pretty good for Jin Huan. The episode starts off in a much calmer manner compared to the last episode. By this point, it has been established that Jin Huan has not committed adultery with the imperial doctor Wen Shichu. However, Qi Guiren is not satisfied with this result. In a last-ditch effort, she turns to the imperial doctor Wen Shichu and exclaims that everyone can see how he feels about Jin Huan, even if there's no inappropriate relationship. She questions if he can promise upon his family and his life that he has never had any untoward feelings for the emperor's women. The doctor doesn't really have a good response to this because as we know, even though he didn't have an inappropriate relationship with Jin Huan, he did have one with Shen Meizhuang, so he can't make this promise. However, the emperor doesn't really acknowledge Qigui'en's words and even asks the guards to take her away. Al Lingrong, on the other hand, says that the doctor will inevitably kill someone with his feelings. At this point, the doctor says he will prove his innocence and leaves the palace. Shortly after... The Emperor stands from his chair at the top of the room where he's been sitting this entire time. He doesn't directly punish the Empress, but it's pretty much implied. He says that he and the Empress are both tired. The Empress's health has not been good, so moving forward, Jin Huan will manage affairs in the palace. She will be aided by both Fei and Fei. The Empress says that the Empress should just focus on recovering her health in her palace. In case you couldn't tell. This is where the emperor is, in his roundabout way, stripping the empress of all power in the imperial harem. The empress cares deeply about the amount of power she holds in the palace, so this is a very large setback for her. With this whole debacle in the imperial harem, the empress was hoping to finally topple Jin Huan, but the plan backfired. She is now powerless in the harem and has lost a crucial and powerful ally in Qigui'in. All that's left for the Empress are An Rong and her servants. The accusation of adultery storyline comes to a close. The remainder of the episode focuses on Shen Meizhuang, Jin Huan's best friend, in what is admittedly one of the saddest scenes in the entire drama. Are you ready with your tissue boxes? I personally can't tell you how much I cried when I watched this the first time. Shen Meizhuang is heavily pregnant and is expected to give birth soon. But as we know, the child is not the child of the empress, but instead the child of the doctor Wen Chu. In the last two episodes, she has been kept away from the interrogation by both her maid and the doctor to prevent her from being stressed out given her current state. However, at the end of the last episode, episode 63, and towards the end of the interrogation, a maid ordered by An Lingrong rushed over to Shen Meizhuang's palace and tipped her off that Wen Shichu and Zhen Huan are being accused of adultery. Shocked, Shen Meizhuang orders her maid to accompany her to the Empress's palace to help out. This we shall see, turns to be her undoing. Shen Meizhuang is slowly walking towards the Empress's palace, but we see a eunuch rush past her. The eunuch hurriedly announces to the Emperor that the Imperial doctor Wen Shichu castrated himself and is critically injured. When Shen Meizhuang hears this, she falls unconscious to the floor. She is rushed back to her palace where she is now in labor. However, the circumstances are very dire. Since she suffered a shock, she loses a lot of blood and does not have the energy to push. Both she and Wen Shichu are suffering in their respective residences. Outside of Shen Meizhuang's room, An Lingrong, how dare she? And Jin Huan are waiting to hear news. Jin Huan is fully aware that An Lingrong's maid was the one to inform Shen Meizhuang of what was happening in the Empress's palace. If it wasn't clear, A Ling Rong's the absolute worst. She puts on a show that she didn't know why her maid told Shin Mei and that they were all sisters. Why would she want to harm Xin Mei at all? She does not want anything to befall her dear sister. Finally, though, Jin Quan, with her bright red lips and amazing smoky eye makeup, doesn't fall for these empty words and actually slaps Aan Ling Rong across the face. I don't know about you, but that was certainly satisfying. But it doesn't take away from the damage that An Lingrong has done. The emperor arrives shortly after and demands that the maid who notified Shen Meizhuang be killed. Jin Huan doesn't say much, but you know that she's seething inside. Just because this maid was killed doesn't root out the main culprit, which is An Lingrong. It had to have been An Lingrong who ordered this maid to go and inform Shen Meizhuang, thus causing her to be shocked. An Lingrong, though, is a master of looking weak in order to stave off any suspicion on her actions, and the emperor does not suspect her whatsoever. Shen Meizhuang is not doing well at all in labor and continues to lose a lot of blood. Even though Wen Shichu himself is in a lot of pain having just castrated himself, he is carried over in a stretcher to help Shen Meizhuang through labor. With his direction to his mentee Wei Ling, the two are able to help Shen Meizhuang stop the bleeding. After some more tense moments, Shen Meizhuang gives birth to a wonderful princess. The emperor and Jin Huan breathe a huge sigh of relief that the princess has been born. Given Shen Meizhuang's weakened state, the emperor is urged to head back to his palace and return later to see her and his daughter. The emperor, having also experienced quite a long day with the interrogation and now this agrees and leaves with An Yong. Jin Huan is ecstatic and relieved to hear that her sister is safe and healthy. After such a stressful day, it is good to finally hear some positive news. Unfortunately, right after the emperor leaves, a maid comes rushing out to cry out that Shen Meizhuang has lost too much blood. Jin Huan is distraught and comes to see her best friend. She demands that her best friend is provided with the best medicine to save her, but even Wen Shichu, who is tending to Shen Meizhuang's bedside, says, there is no need. She has lost too much blood. Shen Meizhuang, in her weakened state, requests to speak with her best friend and Wen Shichu alone for some last words. Here, Shen Meizhuang drops all pretense and exposes the truth to Jin Huan that this daughter is the daughter of her and Wen Shichu. Jin Huan is shocked to find out about this, but Shen Meizhuang doesn't care. She is on her deathbed, and she has nothing to fear. In this tear-inducing last conversation, Shen Meizhuang explains that in the palace, there were only two people who truly cared about her, Jin Huan and Wen Shichu. She begins to call the doctor by his name, which is a very intimate and direct thing to do. She says she knows that Wen Shichu has always had feelings for Jin Huan, and so she understands that he is mad at her for what she did, tricking him into drinking the aphrodisiac and thus spending the night with her. Here on her deathbed, she finally asks the question that she has always wanted to know the answer to. Whether or not he ever had true feelings for her at long last on her deathbed by the way he is brave enough to share that the alcohol that night was not enough to force him to do the things he did or to have him develop feelings for her he cares for her not simply because she is jinhuan's friend this is not the best confession in the world but it is enough for shin meizhuang she is comforted by these words, and the two new parents share a heartfelt moment with their newborn daughter. In the safety of the two most important people in her life, she names her daughter Jinghe. Shortly after, the beautiful, resolute, and kind Shen Meizhuang dies in Wen Shichu's arms. As Jin Huan walks out of the palace, she reminisces of her time with her best friend. Sun Li's acting is absolutely amazing at this moment. Jin Huan is full of despair and is heartbroken at the death of this wonderful person. Shen Mei Zhuang, as we've said from the very beginning, is one of our favorite characters in this entire show. She fully embodies the beauty, strength, integrity, and resoluteness of the chrysanthemum flower as described by that important poem that she herself recited, essentially, the chrysanthemum flower would rather wilt on its stem than blow into the north wind. She gave her initial attraction and love to the emperor when she first entered the palace. Unfortunately, at that time, the formidable Hua Fei tricked Shen Meizhuang into thinking that she was pregnant. When this turned out to be untrue, Shen Meizhuang just saw how cold-hearted the emperor could be. From that moment on, she decided that she will never turn back to the emperor. She would rather spend the rest of her life in the imperial harem without his favor than bow her head to him again. Very similar to the chrysanthemum flower. This is also why she turned to the empress dowager for support instead. Every day, Shen Meizhuang would tend to the empress dowager. The Empress Dowager from the very beginning during the even the court selection all the way back in episode one favored Shen Meidong. there was a strong connection there. It was the Empress Dowager who wanted Shen Meizhuang to be selected as a concubine and look how that played out for her. Shen Meidong has been a wonderful daughter-in-law so to speak and one of the few people in the harem that actually tended to the Empress Dowager. In turn it was the Empress Dowager who was the one that raised Shen Meizhuang to become a pin, or an imperial concubine, which gave her a little bit more power than before. This is quite unheard of because normally the emperor is the one to promote these ladies in the imperial harem. Shen Meizhuang held her love for Wen Shichu close to her heart and was never jealous of the fact that he loved her friend instead. She was disheartened, yes, but never interfered. On the contrary, she always tried to look out for Jin Huan her entire life. In terms of true friendship in the palace, there was only Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang that always kept their bond. In the palace here, so many people turned against each other, so this was very rare. Shen Meizhuang only reverted back into the emperor's arms in order to cover for the fact that she was pregnant with Wen Chu's child. She cared neither for power nor affection in the harem. This was evident in her dying conversation when she heard that she had been promoted to the title of consort or fei. She did not care one iota of that title, and that is what distinguishes her from so many other women in the palace. She had the intelligence, disposition, grace, and personality to be a powerful consort, if not more, but she chose not to. She, even unlike Jin Huan, never had true affection for the Emperor. Jin Huan herself even had to forgive the emperor in the palace early on in order to survive, whereas Shen Meizhuang never did. Shen Meizhuang was that rare flower in the palace that did not deign to dirty herself in imperial harem tactics. Not that she didn't know how to play the game, she just didn't want to. She was pure and true to heart, caring deeply for her friends, and although died so prematurely, was with the two people she cared about most in the world. Fortunately for her, she birthed a daughter, and therefore there will be no questions as to her daughter's heritage or birthright. Her daughter will be raised as a princess of the Qing dynasty, loved by many. In my mind, Xin Meizhuang can rest easy knowing this. Xin Meizhuang's funeral is held the very next day. Her palace has already transformed into a sea of white, the color of mourning in Chinese culture. Interestingly, though, the Empress is not there, while the rest of the harem and even the 19th and 17th prince arrive to pay their respects. Zhen Huan is besides herself with grief, quietly crying in front of Ximedrong's plaque. Notice her makeup is still quite heavy. This is a reminder to us that even at this funeral, Jin Huan is not the naive young girl who just entered the palace. She still has things to do and take revenge. The doctor is hiding in the background, also covered in tears. He dare not approach because, well, he can't. Poor guy. Jin Huan's two younger sisters turn to leave the funeral. And uh, how funny, they're greeted by the 19th prince and the 17th prince. As they leave, though, Huan Bi comments, Did you see how handsome the 17th prince is? Yu Rao, to her credit, did not pay any attention. Finally, some girl who does not like the 17th prince. Yu Rao dismisses Huan Bi and ventures out herself. She's quickly followed by the 19th prince. There's a cute little scene between the two of them, and there's clearly some chemistry between Yu Rao and the 19th prince. It seems that even though their first interaction was not as pleasant, they are slowly warming to each other's presence. The rest of the episode kind of discusses the aftermath of what happens now that Shimin Jong has passed away and also sets the scene for some more conflicts to befall our main character and her family. First, we see Jin Huan that is now struggling to care for Shen Meizhuang's daughter. The child isn't sleeping well, nor is she eating. Dr. Wen Shichu's pupil or mentee named Wei Lin is now in charge of Princess Jinghe's care, but it's difficult. Jin Huan learns that Wen Shichu has been drinking heavily to cope with the loss. She makes a comment, which I think is very apt. He is only cherishing what he has lost. What was he doing all of those years? Like, seriously, you were still pining over Jin Huan. What the heck? I get you are a great guy, but Shen Meizhuang was right there. Uh, also, why does Jin Huan say things so bluntly in front of Wei Lin? Isn't she worried he'll expose something? Like he, she doesn't say it flat out. But if anybody thinks too closely about these comments, you're kind of like, there's something going on between Wen Shu Chu and Shen Meizhuang. The emperor's head eunuch, Su Sheng arrives shortly after, bearing gifts from the emperor, not for Jin Huan, but for her younger sister, Yu Zhao. She's gifted a pair of begonia-styled hair ornaments called Bu Yao. Bu Yao are hair accessories with dangling ornaments. They sway with each step, hence why they are called Bu Yao. That's the literal translation, is step movement. Cool, huh? Anyways, this is curious. Why would the emperor send anything to this young woman? Jin Huan and Huan Bi exchange knowing looks. This is not good. An Lingrong is at her own palace, drinking away her own sorrows. What sorrows does she have? Seriously, what a snake! She feels slight remorse for the death of her servant Bao Chue. The one that was killed for delivering the news about the interrogation to Shen Meizhuang. But Ling Rong feels absolutely nothing about uh, Shen Meizhuang's death. We know full well that Ling Rong was the instigator to her death, and if it wasn't for her servant's notification, Shen Meizhuang would most likely still be alive. Ling Rong didn't care if Shen Meizhuang died. She just needed to strike a blow to Jinhuan. Huan. This entire conversation to me was so disgusting. An Rong feels much better now knowing that Jin Huan is very much hurting, not from a political or a favor perspective, but she lost her best friend. At the end, An Rong blames Shen Meizhuang's death on Jin Huan. She doesn't take any fault or any responsibility for the part she played. Well, she knows what she did, but for her own conscience sake, she blames it all on Jin Huan. Later on, the Emperor comes to visit Jin Huan. He sees a painting on the wall that looks like a painting from the artist, the famous Song Dynasty artist Cui Bai. Jin Huan responds that it's actually a replica painted by her sister Yu Yao. At this point, the young woman walks in. The Emperor jokingly reprimands her for not thanking him for his earlier gift. Yu Yao actually states that she doesn't want the gift. Her sister likes begonias. She won't take anything that her sister enjoys. This has pretty big implications. The emperor, though, seeing his gift denied, tries something else. This part is kind of hilarious. He tries to make small talk, but is rebuked in every way. He then just says, you know what, I'll gift you the Cui Bai original. Usually, it's funny because usually his attempts at wooing a woman uh, would actually work because he is the emperor, but now it doesn't work. Jin Huan, though, makes a curious comment now. She says she doesn't want her sister to marry too far away. The emperor nods in agreement. He keeps staring at Yu Yao in a uh, not-so-good manner. What's happening here? Yu Rao goes to pick up Cui Bai's Chou Furong Tu" original and bumps into the 19th prince. He's shocked that the emperor gifted her such a valuable painting because he himself has been asking for it for ages. Yu Rao dismisses this action as simply a way for the emperor to win points with her sister. The 19th prince doesn't think much of this either. Girl, you are a little too naive. The old man is very interested in you. Well, Yu Rao and the 19th Prince discuss the painting and their admiration for the birds in the painting. The geese are known for their faithfulness as they mate for life. Yu Rao thanks the 19th Prince again for his aid to his sister during the interrogation. As thanks, he just says he wants a viewing of the painting, which she agrees to. Um, Can I also just say that I think the 19th Prince uh, was kind of manhandling this 700-year-old painting. He just kind of casually picks it up and unfurls it right in the garden, which I feel like scholars would not be okay with given, you know, sun damage and all that jazz. What if something happened to it? But maybe that's okay since you're royalty? Yu Yao is impressed with the 19th prince's insights, and it looks like we have a budding romance on our hands. After this exchange, Jin Huan summons the doctor Wen Chu over to her palace. The man is in a pitiful state. He is still mourning Shen Zhong's death, but Jin Huan gives him his daughter to hold. This is the first time he's seen her since her birth. Man... This guy just can't catch a break. To atone for his sins, he will take care of her tombstone for three years, which is a Chinese tradition. The emperor has agreed. Obviously, the excuse a doctor gives is to atone for his medical negligence, not for any other reason. And this, because the guy is already uh, castrated, I think, you know, the emperor doesn't think much of it. Again, though, come on. You wasted so much time. Um, over the years, pining over Jin Huan, I feel really sorry for you, but uh, you could have handled this way better at the end of the episode. The Emperor arrives to chat with Jin Huan about some mundane accounts for the imperial palace. He is impressed with the reductions in palace expenditure. Jin Huan says this won't be the case once new ladies arrive in the imperial harem. The emperor jokes, if you're worried about money, I will just pick some ladies from your palace to be members of the harem. What about huanbi? What? Ew. You were first eyeing yu rao, and now huanbi. Are you literally just going to take everybody from Jin Huan's family and just make them concubines? Gross. We will see what happens to his pretty obvious plans at this point in the next few episodes. Jin Hwan knows full well what is happening and uh, you can see some of her eye rolls, or I don't even know eye rolls, some of her knowing glances um, when she listens to the emperor. Okay, that was the end of the recap. Why don't we talk about our analysis? First up, I want to talk about clocks. I've wanted to point this out before, but so far in the drama... We've seen several palaces with pendulum clocks. There is one very prominently displayed behind Ling Lingrong in her scene this episode. So I thought, mm, why not talk about this? We see clocks in both Ling Lingrong's palace, the emperor's study, and Jinhuan's palace. Well I wasn't very informed of the history of clocks in China, so I went and did some research. The first records of clocks in China actually date back to the Ming Dynasty in 1602. Clocks grew in popularity during the Qing Dynasty, and it is around 1730 right now in the drama, so it is quite plausible for concubines to have western clocks. The most famous collector of clocks during the Qing Dynasty was actually Emperor Qianlong, the son of our current emperor. He loved collecting Western paintings, trinkets, and gadgets. One of the clocks in his collection sold at auction for roughly 7 million US dollars in 2010. Pretty interesting, huh? Now, let's actually get to some history and analysis uh, of things that were discussed in today's episode. First up is, of course, the painter Cui Bai. Born in 1050, he was a northern Song dynasty painter who was best known for his paintings of birds and plants. He pioneered nature sketching during his lifetime and became a court artist during the reign of Emperor Shenzong of the Song dynasty. The emperor actually delivered a mandate stating that unless there was an imperial edict, no one could commission works from the artist. His famous paintings include Shuang Si Tu, or the magpies and the hare, the wintry sparrow, and of course, what is mentioned in the drama, Chiu Purong Tu. This painting prominently features a pair of swan geese in flight amongst wilting lilies and blooming furong, or confederate roses. There are only a few of his paintings that exist today. The magpies and hare, Chiu Purong Tu. And a few others currently reside in the National Palace Museum in Taipei, and the wintry sparrow is kept in the Palace Museum in Beijing. Lastly, let's discuss the lines mentioned by Yu Rao and the Nineteenth Prince, written by Yuan Hao Wen. The whole song or poem is called "Mo Yu Yen. The author, Yuan Haowen, was a late Jin and Yuan Dynasty scholar and historian. He was born in 1190 and died in 1257. It is rumored that he wrote this poem in 1205 when he was only 16. He learned about the story of Swan geese on his way to a civil entrance exam, but uh, there is actually no definitive record. It doesn't seem like it was plausible, Um, So that's why some people question when he wrote it, but he did actually write the specific piece. The whole poem or song describes the love and faithfulness of a pair of geese. Specifically in this show, the two characters, Yu Rao and the 19th prince, Shen Beile, only discuss this line. This roughly translates to one in the pair has already passed. In the long road ahead, during the summer and winter travels, across clouds and snow-covered peaks, what is the point of going alone? Yu Rao is still a young girl. She can dream of one true love. And she does right now. Her sister, of course, wanted that for herself, but she resigned herself to the life in the palace. Jin Huan is the almighty Xi Gui Fei with sons and daughters, but she has no delusions of true love. That died with whatever the emperor did to her. I mean, her one true love is still there, but uh, they can't be together. Before we end, the beginning of the poem includes a very famous line. My translation is this. Ask the world, what is love? What is this feeling that compels people through life and death? Well, in the poem, obviously it's talking about geese, but this specific line has been used in stories, songs, movies, any type of media, you name it. It's very, very famous. One example is actually um, the Kung Fu story, or the Return of the Condor Heroes. It is one of the more famous books written by Jin Yong, and it is one of the actual central questions in that story. So if people are interested in that, you can go watch a few of the versions of The Return of the Condor Heroes. One version features our current Mulan, Crystal Liu or Liu Yifei. So if you're interested, go check that out. Well, and that's that for today's episode of Chasing Dramas. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It was quite sad. We said goodbye to one of our favorite characters, but we shall see what Jin Huan has plans for revenge for her friend. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at ChasingDramas.com. Feel free to send us a note or follow us on uh, social media. Until next time.